0: Well, hey, what's going on, beloved family and friends? Welcome back. Uh, I hope that your souls are encouraged and well and refreshed. My voice is not refreshed from Sunday, but we're gonna try this out anyway. Okay, so uh, I'm excited to continue in this justice and mercy series, and uh, really feel honored to get to preach over the next three weeks as we kind of conclude our series uh, on several different important topics. And really, as we continue to fight to be uh, the people of Christ who not just believe in Jesus, but begin to act like Jesus, look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and bless Jesus's creation. I think each. of these three weeks will be pivotal for us as we uh, really love the people around us, even as you heard Steph say at the intro. So what does it look like as we continue to fight for the kingdom on earth as it will be in heaven. This is what we're gonna continue to tackle. And today, we're tackling the topic of immigration or the immigrant and the refugee. And so, uh, like other issues, this is a very important issue in our culture. And like other issues, the Bible is not silent on how our hearts should be thinking about each one of these topics. For clarity up front, just so that I won't have to clarify throughout the sermon, I'm mainly going to use the term immigrant today. And when I use that for our purposes, I want that to encapsulate uh, the immigrant, the refugees, the migrant workers, or terms like sojourner or alien or stranger, etc. because I know each of those are different, but generally speaking, we are going to be talking about a person in a foreign land for one reason or another, whatever reason it might be why they are in that land. And so we got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of really important things to tackle. And so let's go ahead and jump. If you have your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 10 is where we're going to begin today. And as you're turning there, I want to set us up with a little bit of uh, unfortunate and some shocking realities. Like many issues, because this issue has become so politicized, it generally makes us align with our party's response to immigration, our political party's response to immigration, or it makes us respond to these issues so emotionally rather than allowing the scripture to actually dictate how we should be thinking about these topics. For example, Lifeway, which is a Christian uh, company, they have a research arm, and and then Pew, which does research as well, both of them actually did a study on Christians regarding immigration. And both of the questionnaires sent to completely different groups of people had very similar questions, which was, what informs your views on immigrants and on immigration issues? And both separate questionnaires came up with the same number, 12%. That 12% of Christians said the Bible was their source on informing them on how they should think about immigration 12% okay That ain't a good number, y'all. Okay. Even more, additionally, less than one in five Christians said that they've ever even heard a sermon on immigration. So that means that we are not teaching the full counsel of God as pastors, nor are we allowing God to inform us through His Word as His people. And so I think if we allowed the Word to begin to inform us, we would actually view this issue and the people that actually regard this topic a lot differently than our culture currently does. I think we'd be fighting for justice a little bit more at the injustice that we see here. And we would be trying to extend a lot more mercy as the people of God because the Bible is not silent on immigration. In fact, the Hebrew word ger or gar, which encompasses the words that you see in your Bible like foreigner or sojourner or stranger, it's the same root word. In fact, Tim Keller argues that we should just translate that word in English as the immigrant. And so that word ger, it actually appears 92 times in the Old Testament. The Bible has a lot to say about this issue. If there is something that is spoken over three times, there's probably a really significant issue. This is spoken 92 times. And so let's dive into one of the passages that talks about it. We'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 10. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. And I'm going to have my good friend Danny Leva read that for us, who is actually a refugee and therefore an immigrant here to this country as well. And if you don't know his story, I would actually really encourage you to ask him about it because it might even help you change your mind a little bit. Even as Steph was talking, proximity changes things,
1: which we'll get to at the end of
0: our sermon, okay? But we will love to have my boy Danny read that for us. So go ahead, D. Hi,
1: everyone. My name is Danny and I'm a covenant member here at The Well and I also serve on the Connections team. I'm going to read today Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 20 in Spanish. Y ahora, Israel, ¿qué te pide el Señor tu Dios? Simplemente que le temas y andes en todos sus caminos. Que lo ames y le sirvas con todo tu corazón y con toda tu alma, y que le cumplas los mandamientos y los preceptos que hoy te manda cumplir para que te vaya bien. Al Señor tu Dios le pertenecen los cielos y lo más alto de los cielos, la tierra y todo lo que hay en ella. Sin embargo, Él se encariñó con tus antepasados y los amó, y a ti, que eres su descendencia, te eligió de entre todos los pueblos, como lo vemos hoy. Por eso, despójate lo pagano que hay en tu corazón, Y ya no seas terco, porque el Señor tu Dios es Dios de dioses y Señor de señores. Él es el gran Dios, poderoso y terrible, que no actúa con parcialidad ni acepta sobornos. Él defiende la causa del huérfano y de la viuda, y muestra su amor por el extranjero, proveyéndole ropa y alimentos. Asimismo debes tú mostrar amor por los extranjeros, porque también tú fuiste extranjero en Egipto. Teme al Señor tu Dios y sírvele. This is the word of the Lord. Hey,
0: thank you so much, Danny, man. Uh, so, so much goodness there, okay? There's gonna be a lot of stuff on the screen, would encourage you to track along with me. First of all, notice that God is about to lay out how we fear, walk, love, and serve our God. Those are really important verbs there, y'all, Like, right? Like you want to walk in God's will, well, then what He's about to say is going to be really important. So how do we do this? Well, because we believe in him, there's an assumption that these people are the covenant people of God. This is the people whom God has chosen. This is being written to the covenant people. So in our language, we would use the word Christian. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus, then you are to keep God's commandments because God's commands are for our good. God says if you do these things, then it will produce good in you and there will be goodness in your land and your soul will be filled. And then he says, look, I own everything. Like I'm that stuff, bro, right? Like I'm the boss, that's what God is saying. I'm the God of gods, the Lord of lords, great, awesome, and mighty. Like imagine if I described myself like that today. Like, hey, what's up y'all, my name's Tori, I'm the lead pastor here at The Well. I'm the God of gods and the Lord of lords, you know. I'm awesome, mighty, majestic, great. I own heaven, right? <laughs> like, 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 there. You would be really scared. You're scared that I'm making a joke about it right now, right? I actually saw people begin to feel this way about themselves when they're important. Which actually, sometimes we do that in our own country, thinking that we own this when we don't, right? But that's a, for a little bit later. A little bit later in the sermon. Stay back on notes, okay? <laughs> uh, I saw a video recently uh, of Jay Z, who calls himself uh, Jehovah, which is Jehovah. He calls himself God, the rap God, in a lot of ways. And I saw him uh, in in France and he was walking into the Louvre and so it was him and Queen B, you know, so everybody was clearing the way for them and there were like three or four cops that were getting people out the way so they can go in uh, to this museum and this one guy kind of wasn't having it and so he's kind of getting cleared out the way and Jay-Z's walking by and he's filming them and he's like, who you? And Jay-Z looked at him and was like, who you? And he was so distressed. He felt so distressed. You don't know who I am, right? And so he kept going. I just thought about that, okay? God's like, yo, I'm God, okay? So you would think that the next sentence then would be, so pay homage to me, right? You better bow down, player. Like, you would think that that that's what the next thing would say. God says, yo, I'm awesome, so love the immigrant, Think about the reality of this, right? He says, you, my people, the people that I choose, I want you to represent me. I want you to be my representation on earth by loving the immigrant because that's what I do. I love them. Treat them right. In fact, he says, love them therefore, Whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask, "What is it there for?" Right? So, what's the therefore? Therefore, because God does this, then you are to do this too. Once again, then the next verse, he says, "You want to know how to fear Him, how to serve Him, how to hold fast to Him? Then serve and love the people that He has created." In fact, listen to me. If you are an immigrant in this country or a sojourner, notice that it says God loves the immigrant. Is what it says, and. And then we're commanded to love the immigrant. And so do not let the rhetoric of this country fool you, my friend. Firstly, we ain't God's chosen nation, all right? America's cool and all, but we are not the people of God as a nation here. We are not the kingdom of God in that sense. So don't put too much stock in what's been said about you or to you from a nation that will perish one day. Okay? Secondly, notice that you are loved by the great and the awesome and the majestic and the powerful Lord of all lords, King of all kings, the president of all presidents, the most high God, God. That's who loves you. That's who sees you. Don't let a human or a nation make you feel unloved because if you feel like you are not wanted by some people group or by a nation, It don't matter, the God of the universe wants you. And no matter what anybody else says, after that point, you are loved. Now look, God says, I love them. Then he implores the Israelites, you know what it's like, he says, because you were immigrants in Egypt. You know what it is like to be in a place that is not really your home, and they don't want you to make it your home. You know the feeling of oppression or of not really being seen and your rights not really being thought of, and so don't do that to others. Like, love those who are not like you because this is what God does. God loves us even though we are nothing like Him. He loves us anyway, and so we love and we serve and we see because we are representing our God who does the same. In fact, we get tangible. Look again at this section here. He didn't just say love them. He made sure you knew what that love looked like. He said making sure they are eating, right? Giving them food and clothing. Do something when you see that there are people that are being treated differently than how you are being treated. Bring equality. Remember week one, fight for justice is what God is telling His covenant people here. And if this is hard, remember Israel, you You were an immigrant. Treat them the way that you would have wanted to be treated. And if this is hard, American, it shouldn't be. This is not that complex, y'all. We love what God loves. We serve who God serves. We act towards people as if God would act towards them because we are the covenant people of God and God served immigrant Israel and now he wants us to serve the sojourners as well. In fact, God didn't just serve immigrant Israel, God served spiritually homeless you because all of us did not have a home in God and now wants us to spiritually and physically serve those without a land in our land as a response to that because let's keep it real, this ain't your land anyway. And I ain't on some Christopher Columbus stuff right now. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm saying, remember, God just says that he owns heaven. So he for show owns your block and your city and your state and this nation and this world. We are not owners. We are stewards. And as God's stewards of God's possessions, we are called to be generous and benevolent. That is what he calls his stewards to. And so... It's pretty simple, right? But look again at verse 16 there. Before God gives the command to love the immigrant, God actually says something else first. You see, oftentimes we don't respond with external obedience because there hasn't been true internal transformation. And so we often don't respond physically with our hands because there are parts of us that aren't changed spiritually in our hearts. And so we're slow to actually respond. Come on, I need a witness to that. That was kind of good, the (laughs) heart-hand thinking, right? (laughs) All right, listen, this is true, is it not? Like, think about the reality of this for your heart. And so God makes a command there in verse 16. He says, circumcise your heart, okay? Cut away the impurity of your heart, God begins. Why? Because the heart is stubborn, is what it says. When you talk about justice, When you talk about the widow or the orphan or abortion or immigration or equality of any sort, you got all this foreskin around your heart and it tends to get stubborn, y'all. That's what he says here. So rather than doing what God says, we try to act like this issue is so complex, like it's so hard to obey, like it's so hard to carry out and we get stubborn, and we don't begin to move the way that God commands us to move, our hearts can become stubborn to issues of justice, y'all. My, 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 right, that is true of me, And I know that that is true of you because all of us are in this fallen condition where we think about ourselves as more significant than others, even though that's the exact opposite command that scripture gives to us. And so maybe on whatever issue we've been discussing so far, you've actually been more closely married in your soul with your political party than you are with biblical truths. And both sides of the aisle make for terrible spouses, y'all. We need to not respond politically or emotionally, but biblically on issues like this. And when we respond to issues of immigration like it's more of a recommendation than it is a commandment, then we are forsaking the very promises and the commands of God. The command is to love and to serve and to treat well and to welcome the immigrant. Love them, it says, not like them, not think of them, but to love them which means to sacrifice and to go out of your way, to have them in your heart and to do something as a response because of that family of God. This is what we are called to do. And this section starts off with, once again, look, God is God. He's the king. So if this is true, then you need to do what he says. These aren't recommendations. These are commandments. And he says to love the sojourner but our hearts are stubborn, and we don't easily bend toward that. We gotta cut away all of the flesh that's actually building up around our hearts. KB, who is one of my favorite artists and is often, uh, really, an urban theologian in a lot of ways, he says this when discussing the issue of immigration in a song. He says, we don't walk away, Amago day, no way am I gonna leave. Oh no, not today, do not behave when blood is on the leaves. Weep before you speak or think before you eat how you love a country food more than its people. Hmm, because I think you hide behind your politics and you do not want answers, you want arguments. Yes, I love the kingdom more than I love my nation. And yes, I love my neighbor more than I love his papers. Okay, okay, salsa, we ride. That's on kicks, all right. but uh, isn't this true, y'all? We want to consume the good of someone else's culture without blessing the very people of that culture when they have a need. We've become consumers where we care more about the food that somebody produces than the souls of the people that are producing that. How you love a country's food more than its people Man, God calls his people to look differently. Now, what happens when we approach something like this or things like racial reconciliation or abortion or whatever it might be is that because it gets politicized, then we make this more of a legislative issue and assume that is deeply complex rather than a personhood issue and therefore move with compassion. And we need to move with compassion in these areas. Yes, it is complex. Let's not front, right? Like there are things that are going on, but the foundation of how our hearts are supposed to respond is not complex. It's pretty clear, y'all. And we need to respond in that way. Unless the Bible is a book of lies, which I don't believe that it is. We preach it because we believe it is the very words of God. And what the Bible says is that this is not a legislative issue, it's a heart issue. You see, God did give commands to the immigrants that were living amongst Israel, but he very rarely told the immigrants what to do, but he over and over and over and over again told Israel how they should be treating, thinking, and feeling about the immigrants because this ultimately is a heart issue. That's why it says, circumcise your heart. Your heart needs to respond to this. And so when fear is peddled or when the Imago Day, the personhood of immigrants and refugees and migrant workers is spit upon because of the vile, foolish mouth of politicians, that's not complex, that's called sin. And we call sin, sin, and we're not afraid to say that because our God does not want the disrespect of the people that he intimately crafted and created. We need to respond in that way. When people are mistreated at the border and sometimes treated worse than dogs would be treated, that is not complex. That is a sin issue. And when our heart acts like it's an issue rather than a person, or when we respond with judgment rather than justice, or when we act with indifference rather than mercy, that is a heart issue, y'all. And we need to circumcise our hearts. This is not just happening in the US, by the way. It's happening across the board and across the world. In other countries, throughout all of human history, when people see that people not from their land are coming into their land, then they are beginning to uh, flee maybe where they are from and trying to establish uh, the beginning of a new life there on that land. They don't like this. It's not just Americans, this is true all across the world, even today, because they think that that land is theirs and they think that they own that, not realizing that everything that we have is stewardship from God, all of it is on loan, not to own, but to serve with. So this isn't just an American issue or a Republican issue or a white issue. It's a sin issue, y'all, and we need to respond in that. And unfortunately, many of us allow all sorts of uncircumcised flesh to sit on our hearts and to begin to lead to disease, and our hearts are deceitful, and we start believing that what is dwelling in there is true, and we don't respond to the biblical commands, but we respond to our fleshy thinking, and we Don't move in this issue the way that God would call us to. We do not see the person behind all of this that is going on, y'all. There isn't a problem with that. It turns us stubborn, and we're not seeing the human and responding with the compassion of Christ. You know, many of us have lost our witness trying to pretend to save our American values, and then we lose our witness in the process. Huli, our connections director, who is an immigrant, was imploring us in our time of exegesis this week, as we were going through this passage at large, that she said that she did not know uh, personally a single immigrant into our country who wasn't deeply benefiting our country, either by their labor or the skills they have or the relationships that they had formed or even the taxes that they pay or whatever it might be. She didn't know of one single person that no one leaves their country because things are great at home right like they're not like oh my life is thriving let me go to this other country where I'm going to be discriminated against like that's not what happens there are issues and they are trying to find refuge and to completely shut off our heart or to shut off our land when 99 people are coming in trying to aid our country because there may be one bad person in the midst of that 99 is the exact opposite Opposite reaction of our God who leaves the 99 to find the one we need to respond with the compassion and mercy of Christ, period. This is a heart issue. And when we value comfort over our mission and therefore we close our heart to the foreigner, we're missing Revelation 7, 9, which is the very heart of God that all the tongues, tribes, nations, and cultures would be worshiping around the throne. When we close our heart and our land to the foreigner, we are actually closing our heart and our land to the very image that will be in heaven. We're closing our hearts to heaven, y'all. We're missing what the kingdom will look like. And we are not bringing the kingdom on earth as it would be in heaven. Help us, Lord. And unless we think this is just a random passage of Scripture, as we already said, there are over 90 just in the Old Testament. We didn't even get to the New Testament yet, right? Matthew Sorens, who's a director at World Relief, which is a Christian organization that helps and supports and raises awareness for immigrants and refugees. He says this as he goes through this idea about immigration in the Bible. He says, God sets the standard for the Israelites that the immigrants who come to dwell among them should be treated as the native among you. And as he gives the law to his people, he repeatedly states that its protections, including the right to fair treatment as laborers, to Sabbath rest, and to proper payment for the laborer, and most of its requirements are meant for the immigrant as well as the native born. Throughout the Old Testament, the immigrant is repeatedly referenced with other two, two other groups, the fatherless and the widow, and uniquely vulnerable and thus worthy of special care and provisions. God commands his people to love the immigrants, both because he loves them and because, given their unique history in Egypt, they ought to know better than to mistreat the foreigners that are living in their midst." And you saw all the scripture he was quoting there on that screen. I want to look at one other passage for the remainder of our time to really press this point home some. And so Leviticus chapter 19 is where we'll be, and we're going to be in verses 33 through 34, and I'm going to have my friend Sarah Bajoy read that for us. Hi, my name is Sarah Bajoy, and I'm married to Renji. We're covenant members at the well and part of the Far East CG. I also serve in Well Kids. The scripture reading is Leviticus 19, 33 through 34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land
1: of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Sarah. And once again, God is making an appeal to his divinity. He's saying, I am God at the end of that, right? Therefore, do this, okay? I'm not just some random like, oh, this would be a good idea. I'm God. I know how I created this earth. I know what I want it to look like. Do what I tell you to do, okay? Treat the natives like they belong there. It says like it is their native land love them. And unfortunately, recently in our country, the rhetoric and the policies has been anything but this. But think about the reality of even this thought that God, as he is giving out the law, he repeatedly and purposefully and forcefully over and over again calls us to think about and to treat rightly and to love and to care for the immigrant. In fact, to not see this in scripture would be reading scripture through a very Western American dare I even say non-Christian lens to not see this as something that God cares about the very heartbeat of God because it's such a theme throughout Scripture I mean even right now if you are a believer in Jesus you are actually aliens in a foreign land because this earth is not our home so even now the way we view ourselves is actually as immigrants because this ain't where we're going to dwell forever we will dwell forever in the with him. And so, uh, unfortunately, too many of us, though, believe this is where we're going to dwell. And so, we fight for our earthly homes in this country over our heavenly home in the kingdom. And we don't fight for the kingdom to come on earth as it would be in heaven. Heaven looks better because of diversity, y'all. Yep. You heard that in the racial reconciliation talk. I mean, our church looks better because of diversity. Listen, we are a church that is filled with immigrants, y'all. Like, our church is made better. Beautiful because of the immigrants that are here right now. People that are leading classes that some of y'all are taking right now were refugees in this country, being welcomed in because of the generosity in the past. People that are leading CGs were illegal immigrants at times, and they are blessing you right now. People on your staff team that serve you and love you and lay down their lives for you were or are immigrants even right now the people that are at the well that made you feel home here even though this country was not their home they were immigrants here our church is beautiful because of this it is part of the reason that our church is healthy today it is part of the reason why our church is so beautiful today it is part of the reason why you see this spirit of the living God amongst us in Christ's presence amongst us because we are living out Ephesians 2 11 through 22 that highlights us being all of a different ethnos and yet coming together in Christ. One of the best female mentors at the well, in fact she mentors people in this room, is an immigrant. Our worship pastor's wife was an immigrant. Her family, she was not born here. Our CG shepherds, elders, family members, I can go on and on and on we're immigrants we should at least here be all about that issue because you've been the benefit of immigrants here in this church you have made our church beautiful even though this country was not your home thank you thank you thank you not just through experience, though, of our own church, but even Scripture would implore at this. Like, we have a hard time loving the immigrant neighbor at times because of the fear that's being created with the rhetoric of our country. We have a hard time serving them, even though over 60% of the Bible was written by immigrants, y'all. Like, like, no wonder why it's such a theme, because it makes up the majority of people in the Scripture that God chose to use, right? The people that God... God chose to breathe his spirit empowered words through were immigrants. Listen to me, immigrants. The people that God chose to breathe the spirit empowered words of life that we are sitting under today were immigrants. And 60%, by the way, is a conservatively low number. It may even be a little bit higher than that because we don't know the author of every one of these books. Like, just think about some of the stories here. Ruth is a black woman being rightly welcomed by a brown Jewish man. Immigration. She is fleeing the problem of one country for the blessing of another country. And Boaz was godly because he welcomed her in and because he treated her right. And he received the blessing of God because of it. As Christians, we should be all about this because it represents where we are going. And we see God in people that are not like us as Stephanie talked about in the introduction, and it is here that we get a chance to serve the King Jesus himself. In fact, we read a passage last week. I wanna reread it real quick. Matthew chapter 25, it'll be on the screen for us. But in verse 35, Jesus says this, He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. That word stranger is the same root word, the Hebrew word for gear. I was an immigrant and you welcomed me. You want to see Jesus? Go bless an immigrant and you'll be looking directly into the face of Jesus. He said, when you serve them, you're serving me because that's who I am. Think about the power of that, y'all. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, the author here implores us, do not neglect to show hospitality to immigrants, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. In fact, our hospitality has been the advancement of our mission. You know that America is home to the third most unreached people groups in the world. Not because our country is unreached, it's not, but because historically we've welcomed those in who were unreached. And what an opportunity for the Great Commission to be fulfilled, which is why God was so serious about it in the Old Testament. If you welcome them in, if you as my people would bring the immigrant into your country, ultimately, hopefully they will bring me into their home, their hearts and they are imploring us in that, we'd be throwing away this opportunity you know, because of fear. In fact, Daniel Darling, who is an author, he, he says this about this very issue. He says this is why it is so important for pastors to combat the strain of anti-immigrant attitudes that pervades American society. A faithful Christian cannot see his Hispanic neighbor as an intrusion of his way of life, but as a sovereign opportunity for Christ to be expressed in the world through his bride. "'The immigrant who arrives may either be a brother "'or a sister to be added to our fellowship "'or a lost soul in need of the gospel.'" The tendency may be to ignore immigrants because of concern that we might upset those within our church who, guided by often spurious media accounts and political considerations, see them as a threat to our culture and values, but we must have the courage to articulate a gospel-centered approach to this issue. It is our duty to view immigrants not as problems to solve, but as people from whom Jesus died for. Without a biblical lens, we may come to view immigrants as a threat and an invasion rather than as a missional opportunity. In doing so, we lose credibility with our immigrant neighbors when, while proclaiming Christ's love to them, we also communicate, intentionally or otherwise, that we dislike them and wish they were not a part of our communities. This is true, y'all. We often love our comforts more than we love the advancement of the kingdom. Let's keep a G. I do. I think about my comforts more than I think about the lost. I think about my safety more than I think about somebody's eternal security, y'all. This is something we should be passionate about. In fact, when asked about immigration, more Christians, check this, more Christians checked that immigration reform should respect the rule of law, overmarking that immigration reform should respect God-given dignity in every person. There is more people that cared about law than the dignity of humanity. Like, let that sink in, y'all. Like, look, yes, law is important. I'm not saying that, but go look at the stats. We have really good laws in place that do bring protection for our American neighbor and love them well, do some research. There's good laws in place to protect, and there's good immigration policies. Therefore, we need a biblical lens so that our heart would actually rightly see how to view them and apply those good laws that we already have set up here and to welcome them in and to be a home into our individual homes as individuals and in general in the communities around us. We need to be righteously angry when we see foolish rhetoric or harmful mistreatment of any human, especially vulnerable ones, which includes the immigrants and the refugee, and as Christians, we are to love this world and welcome them into our homes and lay down our life for the people that are around us. Think about the immigrants that flood the pages of the Bible that you say that you love, family. Think about Abraham and Jacob and Joseph, the patriarchs of our faith, all immigrants at times in other lands. Think about Rahab or Jeremiah or Moses. Think about Ruth or David or Daniel. Yo, King Jesus himself was an immigrant and a refugee. Listen to me, family of God. If you are an immigrant, you are in good company. Do you hear who I just named? This is the company that God chose to associate Himself with. He didn't go to the high and the ones in the palace. He came to you because He loves you. Deuteronomy 10 ain't just words on a page. God showed His actions and the way that He responded to humanity. The Lord Jesus Himself decided to come down and to be an immigrant and a refugee. He could have chosen any path to come redeem humanity, but He chose. That path, you are not less. In fact, you are able to relate to the Savior of the world in ways that many others cannot because He chose to become like you and to sympathize with us in this. He knows what it is like to not be loved by people who he came to bless. So do not lose heart, family of God. Do not lose heart. And can we be real, family of God? Doesn't the gospel implore us on this very issue? I mean, listen, heaven is not your home unless you got it twisted somewhere in this whole Christian process. You are not citizens there. You were citizens of a fallen and broken world you will be an immigrant there in heaven, and yet God does not treat you as if you do not belong, but he treats you like a citizen. In fact, the work of the gospel became so profound that you are no longer immigrants there, but you are citizens. He calls you that. And Jesus left his home in heaven to become an immigrant on earth so that we who are spiritual immigrants might now have a forever home in him, y'all. The gospel shows us this. Jesus had no place to call home. He had no place to lay his head so that even if America rejects you, my Latino brother, even if America rejects you, my Asian sister, even if America rejects you, my Iraqi or my Saudi friend, God does not. Your God does not. In fact, he welcomes you in with arms wide open. Christ was rejected so that we who should not have a forever home might now find eternal comfort there. And now, Christian, this earth is not your home, the text tells us. And so we serve and we love and we bless and we clothe and we honor the immigrant, treating them the way that Christ will treat us one day when he brings us to our eternal home. We bring the kingdom on earth as it would be in heaven. How do you think he will treat you in heaven? Respond like that on earth, y'all. And so, what do we do in light of this? Okay, how do we respond to this? I have a couple of really, really, really brief things. Okay, first of all, if you're an immigrant, thank you for making our church more beautiful. I know I already said that, but I want to repeat that once again. We want more beauty in our church, actually. And so bring others that look like you because the gifts that you bring and the way that you reflect the beauty of our God makes us more beautiful. It makes us see God more clearly. It turns us more into the image of Christ. And I want Christ's likeness in my heart and I want it for our church. And so come and thank you for coming. Secondly, if you're an immigrant or if you're first or second generation here in America, so you can relate with that in a lot of ways, I want you to know that God loves you. He sees you. See that in these passages, y'all. If Israel failed and if the church fails and if this nation fails, your God will not fail. Your God... God will welcome you home one day if you are in Christ though you may not feel like you have a home here on earth you have a home believe that see what God says about you Thirdly, to all of us, no issue brings clarity until we put a face to that issue. Okay, when we allow it to be some news show pundit talking point only, then we lose the humanity of anything that we're talking about. People are being mistreated at the border right now. Like while we're watching this sermon, and so even organizations that are here in Austin, like the Immigration Coalition, for example, they're bringing water and masks down to the people that are at the border so that they can love them while they're trying to figure out the whole legislative process here in America, go help. Go bring water. Take a few days off and serve and give water to the stranger because when you do that, you're giving it to Jesus himself, this text just said, right? And listen, we have refugees here in Austin, and you can get involved in that so that you can put your heart and an idea with a person so that it actually comes alive. And so, until we put faces to philosophies, they remain conceptual rather than reality changes everything, as we just talked about in our open. And so Sarah, who you saw read scripture a little bit ago, actually serves often with the Refugee Services of Texas, and we want to partner with them to actually serve refugees that are here in our very city. There's several opportunities to serve, from welcoming people when they first arrive to helping them learn English, to just being friends with them in a lot of ways, and welcoming them into our communities. And so I would encourage you, if you want to get involved, there's all sorts of ways to do it. I won't belabor the point here, but go back to that Connect form, and on that Connect form at the bottom, there's a place to check, hey, I want more information on the Refugee Services of Texas. I want to get involved. I want to serve, and go serve, and be to allow the stubbornness and the uncircumcision of your heart to be cut away by the gospel action that God calls you to do and put in place. Listen, maybe even if you're a missions liaison, you implore your CG to get involved in this. We have liaisons in every group, not just so it can be cool, but because we literally want to serve our city, and so find a way to serve and maybe that's how you get involved, okay? And then finally, for our church at large as well, use your voice in these Areas When you see policies or you hear rhetoric that does not sound like someone treating the foreigner as if they were a native in this land, then say something about it. That is not complex, y'all. The scripture commands us to do it. You know how you wanna be treated. Treat your neighbor like that, even as we just read in Leviticus, because when we don't and when we allow this slander to go on against the very uh, person that God has created That is not equality, and that is not justice. And so be a people who care about justice like God does. Be a family that extends the justice of God, but also as we're using our voice, family of God, at the same time we extend mercy, We are not just a justice-bent only people. We are a mercy-bent people as well. And so you may think you're killing it at this issue because you think you think right about this issue, but then you actually have no mercy for others. Listen, Jesus died for you and he died for them. And if the blood of the Messiah was worthy enough to lay down his life for somebody that disagrees with you, then who are you to withhold mercy from that person? We give mercy and we forgive even when people are wrong because God gave mercy and forgave us when we were wrong. And we can do that while not bending or caving into injustice at the exact same time. Listen, extending forgiveness is freedom. And so let mercy triumph over judgment, even other people's judgment. Let mercy triumph over that, okay? And finally, let us be a church that's merciful even when the world is becoming more and more hostile to all these issues that we're talking about, let us be a church who is fighting for the Imago Day in everyone and opportunities for everyone and bringing equality and justice. Let us be a church who looks more like heaven because we serve and we welcome and we disciple and then we send the immigrants that many nations would be able to hear of the glory of God. Let us be about that until all nations do indeed hear about His beauty. Like this topic, there's 80,000 other things we can say, right? We can go on and on and on about each of these. Hopefully it's a good start, okay? And I pray that your heart would see this. And I pray that because your heart sees this, your mind changes to this, and your hands begin to move in action because of this. Let us be a people who bring the kingdom on earth as it will one day be in heaven. Amen. I love you guys. Let's pray. Um, Yeah, Jesus, thank you. Um, Gosh, thank you that we can get every single one of these issues right that we're talking about and yet miss that we need a savior and we would miss everything. And so God, I pray more than anything that people who were listening today that may not have a relationship with you, that they would realize that that's the greatest injustice on earth that literally to not be unified with the God of the universe will be ruin for our souls. God, I thank you that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you, that while we were strangers and aliens and nothing like you, you became like us so that if we believe in you, then one day we might become like you. Thank you for initiating that process with us. God, I pray for those who, maybe they don't have a relationship with you. I pray that today they would choose to make you their King and their Savior and their Lord, and that all of that we taught would actually apply to them, and that they would move because they are your children. And God, I pray for us who have placed our faith in you, who are now citizens of the heavenly kingdom. Because we know you, then let us serve you. like. Like literally let us serve you, the stranger as you called yourself, the, the immigrant as you called yourself. In Matthew 25, let us serve you, Jesus. Let us love you. Let us move to action. Let us be a people who cares about the image of God, the Imago Day, in every single individual. Let us always be about that as a church family. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for giving us the privilege of a church to have so much beauty in our midst because of all of the immigrants that are here amongst us. God, would you give us even more of that? Would you give us even more? Thank you, Jesus. And when you give it to us, let us steward it well. God, we pray this in your very beautiful name, amen.